Welcome to the Mental Health Bootcamp Podcast. Woo! This is the podcast where psychotherapists, three of us Canadian, one of us American, serve you cutting-edge mental health knowledge. I am Ryan Howes from California. And I'm Joanna Boyd. I live in a city called Port Moody outside Vancouver, Canada. And I am Brooke Lewis from Vancouver, Canada. I'm Chris Boyd, also from outside Vancouver, and I'm Joanna's brother. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. A proud brother you are. And gosh. Let's not get carried away. Let's not get carried away. Of course. (laughs) Uh, You guys and your family dynamics. We do have to visit that in this episode here, I'm sure. Maybe it'll be today. Maybe. Who knows? We don't know what the ambush is going to be today. Only you know. you know. Yeah. The ambush where I know what the topic is, the three of you do not, and I spring it on you. Oh, so much fun. Yeah. So, gosh, you guys, how the heck are you? How's, how's smoky Vancouver? Um, it is smoky. Yeah. We definitely yeah. have the orange sun in the sky. It's the most bizarre light that shines through the window. It's just like this mm-hmm. orange light. It's weird. Mm. Mm. But yeah, smoky. We had a little bit of blue sky a few days ago, but that is now gone. So hopefully yeah. it passes. And best wishes to all the people in the States who are living right in the thick of it. Yeah, all the fires. Yes, for sure. We also have a, a ton of moths up here. Still, they sneak, they sneak into my place. I don't know how my windows are closed. So, yeah, for those oh. moth phobic people out there, like Joanna, it's a pretty scary time up here. Yeah. How, how big are the moths? How are they? The huge ones or no. the little guys? Like they're like they're I mean, not bad, the but they're not. The size of a loony, and I'm like, you don't know what a loony is. <laughs> a loony, a loony is like the size of a half dollar, an American half dollar or so, I believe. Mm. Or is it a quarter? I can't remember. I don't have I have my loonies with me. I think our quarters are the same size. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So loonies are bigger? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so probably a half dollar or a silver dollar. I don't know. That's not a silver, not as big as, as our dollar. Anyway, big moths or medium, medium-sized moths, not massive and kind of gross, huh? It could be worse, but... I, yeah, thank goodness they're not because that would be really terrible for me. But I was just lying on the couch, one like rose up right in front of me, and I was like, Where did this come from? Anyways, it's all good. We're fine. Everything's yeah. fine. I just pretend that they're butterflies. It's oh, a good reframe. Yeah. What do you guys do? You guys name the moths? Do you have a name for them? Or is it just my family that does that? Like, not, mm-hmm. not every single one doesn't get a name, but there's like a, a human yeah. name that we give the moth. I think I told you, you broke that story about, uh, I came home years ago and a gigantic moth, I called it Maurice, was in my uh, entrance. <laughs> Maurice. Right? And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll deal with that in a second. So I was taking my shoes off and I went around the corner, I couldn't find them. I, they were her, I, I searched everywhere, like every closet. Yeah, I never found Maurice again. Oh boy. But, uh, and uh, that yeah. apartment has since burnt down, Chris, so. Yeah. It's probably Maurice that set the fire. Or you start missing clothing because it ate it? It ate your clothing? Maurice is so darn big, like, yeah, it'd be holes in the the clothing. Yeah. Brooke, we got to talk about this naming thing. Uh, So we call any moth, any moth that we, uh, any white moth, we is called George. 
Okay. I don't know why. And I didn't know if it was just me and my family or if it was like a thing. No, we call it, yeah. Anytime we see a moth, we're like, oh, hey, George. But if it's a gray one or a brown one or something like that, is it a different name or? You don't really see too many of those. Oh, okay. That's, that's... I would say the majority of them are white, yeah. Okay. Yes. That's... I don't know. That's okay. So there's George. Jay, George is in the room, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You just say hi to George. I don't know what it is. That's, that's good. That's good. Well, we, and, and that reminds me of something we've been doing during uh, COVID in my family, which is we've created another, another family member. Um, Cause it's just, it's too much to get on each other's cases for like uh, leaving the leaving the light on or not putting away your dishes or something like that, you know, leaving the shoes in the living room, something like that. So it's, it's now it's Jeff's fault. So Jeff left his shoes in the living room again, or Jeff didn't close the refrigerator door. So it works out pretty well. We get to kind of, you know, cathart, get it, get out, get all our feelings out, but uh, we're not really creating enemies that way. Yeah. That uh, wouldn't work for our families there, Ryan, because both Chris and I have a brother, Jeff, and so does Brooke. Yeah, both of our, all of our Families. older brothers. Yeah, it's both fun. older brothers are Jeff. Well, so actually, I, that could be pretty funny. I, 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 I don't know if I've told you this before, you guys, but I also have an older brother, Jeff. Really? <laughs> yes. For, wow. How does your Jeff spell his name? J. J E F F. Oh, one of those. Jeff, yeah, we have a G E O. Oh. E R Y or R E Y? I think it's R E Y. Oh wait! I, I, now I'm gonna. Now I'm on the spot here. Oh my gosh! Hope he's not listening. <laughs> Sorry, but I just think it's funny that we all have older brothers named Jeff. This 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 Jeff was uh, the name was chosen from my youngest son, who just said, "Let's call him Jeff." So that's so funny. Yes, that is funny. That's good. All right. I know we learn something new every day. Um, anything else? Anything else to mention here? We all up to date? Everyone good to go? You ready for your ambush? Yeah. We are. Okay, guys. All right. I'm the one up for tonight. So I, uh, I'm going to send myself the text message and I'm going to uh, share the message with you. There's a little backstory to it, but I'll just send it to you, me right now. Ready? Drum roll, please. Okay. Are you ready? Here we go. Joanna's going to lose it. Joanna's losing it. Oh, <laughs> she can't take it. No, Chris, I think you're like, oh, I, you just have to watch this back, Chris, whenever your face is doing that. <laughs> during the, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's uh -oh. oh, during the drum roll, your eye was like twitching at the same time. Well, sorry. Okay. Oh, we almost got Joanna to laugh attack. That would have been great. Oh. We're so close. I was like, oh, she's going to tip over. He's never the best musician, that's for sure. Uh, okay, back to the topic here. You ready? Yeah. Here's the topic. Here's the question. <laughs> Joanna, are you with us? Yes, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Okay. All right. How do you make friends? Practical advice and emotional advice, please. Oh, what a topic. Here's where the story. Well, it's a little bit. I mean, honestly, this is a this is a, a question that I think came up from 
maybe my very first client I ever had when I was in graduate school and training, you know, how do you make friends? You know, it's like, there's just, there's so many things that we talk about, like, oh, socializing and don't, don't isolate and, you know, get out there and, and be with people. But, uh, but then this question comes up, oh, I don't actually have friends or I'm not in a place where I can easily make friends. So how do you make friends? And I've heard this from people young and old, uh, you know, all age ranges, just wondering how this, how we can, how we can make some more friends. So I'm curious to know what you guys would say about this. And, uh, and like I say, practical advice, like how actually can you, you know, actually do this, make a plan to do this, but I know it's more than just, uh, where to go and, and what to say. It's also kind of emotionally preparing yourself for that too. Yeah. What kind of pops into my mind right away is, um, I feel there's almost two paths. One is to enhance existing connections that you have in your life, or secondly, create opportunities to connect with, with uh, new people, right? And then trying to map that out a bit. And then the second part of that would be like the, um, how to go about that, or maybe some 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 um, techniques or traits to embody that will increase the chances of fostering a close connection, right? Mm -hmm. So the practicality part of it, and then there's the, the second part of it is, um, you know, when you when you're given that opportunity, um, what to do and what not to do. Sure, I think yes. I, the the practical points of putting yourself in a place in a position to be around other people who are friends potential, right? Yeah, that part. But then there's okay. Now you're there. You know, you're in, in some social setting. Now, what do you do and how do you talk to yourself about that maybe? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think this is a really good question, Ryan, because I agree it comes up a lot. Um, and I, I don't know how easy it is for people to make friends in Pasadena, um, but a friend of mine said it really well here. He has lived all over and he said, people here are really polite, but they're not friendly. And I thought that was so well said because we are, I've grown up here my whole life. I will hold doors, chit chat, whatever, but we're not a, a, a community that when we meet someone that we immediately invite them over for dinner, if we know that they're new to the neighborhood or, or whatnot, there's hesitation. So mm. we're very, very polite, but it's actually very difficult to make friends in the Vancouver area is my understanding. Wow. Yeah. My mind is blown because, of course, you guys are the three people I know the most in the Vancouver area, and I've been to your homes for dinner. <laughs> it's true. Maybe because we didn't meet you in Vancouver, so. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, That's... I think, yeah. I think there's a range of people who actually know their neighbors. I think there's going to be people who know their neighbors very well, and I think COVID has really helped with that and introducing themselves and that friendly banter, but I think uh, there's probably a good majority who don't interact even with people you see on a daily basis mm -hmm. or in the elevator or mm -hmm. wherever right people but this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah this topic definitely comes up a lot in my clients as well and i agree with chris that there's kind of the two angles right so enhancing the relationships that you already have um or putting yourself into a situation to make new ones and and doing that could be very uh, can be difficult it does take a lot of vulnerability and courage i think to step out um, 
to be the one that's going to initiate meeting up outside of whatever you're doing. So if it's a colleague, being the person to make the invite to say, hey, why don't we go for a walk together, grab a coffee or, or whatnot, opposed to anticipating the other person is going to be extending that invitation. Yes. Um, and I, th I think that's a huge one. Just yes. being able to have that courage to do so. Well, and people may have a, a, a structure in their mind, a, a schema, maybe an irrational belief, we could say, um, that like, oh, if, if people like me, then they will invite me to do things. And um, whereas maybe they have to make more of that first step themselves. You know, maybe there's, anyway, there's just a lot of different sort of rules that people play by that maybe the rest of the world or the rest of the room isn't playing by. And I think that goes for, you know, can't speak for all individuals, but um, some who might struggle a lot with anxiety or depression is that, yeah, those irrational thoughts, like you said, might be like, yeah, they're not talking to me because they don't want to talk to me or uh -huh. they are judging me or I'm not good enough or they don't want to be my friend or something's yep. wrong with me. Um, and yep. there's already that, right? Versus they're probably just thinking about all these other different things or they're devoting their time and energy other places or already established relationships. Um, so I think mm -hmm. that plays a role. I work. I've, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I want to hear what you're going to say. I was just going to say, uh, and I, you know, I think we, the three of us, um, not so much you, Ryan, but we, I think work a lot with teenagers. Um, and that's a big question that comes up is starting school or some kids might not have a lot of friends and how do they put themselves out there? Um, and it's hard too when they're put in environments where kids already know each other. Uh, there's not a lot of new fish there in the pond uh, and or they've been hurt and um, their trust has been broken or they've been, yeah, wounded in past relationships. And so there's that blocking them as well from putting themselves out there again because they have to, it's vulnerability, like you said, Brooke, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. there's the risk of being rejected and someone might not like you, but it's... Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, there's so much. <laughs> and Joanna, just to, to piggyback on that uh, for briefly here, um, defining what friendships are now and what that looks like is important, kind of Ryan, what you were talking about. So I do have uh, not just friendships, but some clients that are trying to get into relationships, pursuing relationships, and they're newer in the community and have smaller circles. And so talking about um, how do you move a friendship or a relationship from online to offline. So even for teenagers in school, they'll be sharing Snapchats, but then how do you then move that to a friendship that's actually in person, right? So right. I think that there's almost these different stages to it now. There's an extra stage that maybe when we were all younger, that wasn't there. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I was thinking too, uh... Joanna mentioned like earlier experiences, often uh, the friends that we have, um, they're all, it's based on proximity. Um, and uh, obviously based on what developmentally is going on, it could be a pretty tumultuous time and, and uh, could be pretty um, challenging. Um, so of course that could lead to um, an impact later on in life when you're trying to forge those connections. But as time goes on, I think there's a little more freedom to maybe find someone who has similar interests as you or maybe you're more aligned in terms of values or goals or whatever that might be. Sure. Should sure. that be in places like, then again, I guess I would go more practicality. Like, would that be at school, like university? Would it be in a workplace? Would it be if you volunteer somewhere? Would it be friends of friends? Like, 
that's a lot harder as an adult. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Or at least I hear that from people. Yes, I agree. Oh, there's so much to dive into here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just thinking of the fact that the last time I heard this was from a recent college graduate who was, uh, who had moved also to a new town and was looking for work and was saying, uh, wow, college really made all this socializing stuff really easy. (laughs) No. And now I have to really work to try to find people to hang out with. Mm-hmm. And, and that's true. So at times when I've talked with people about this in the past and they say, well, where, where, where do I find people? I can, I can rattle off a bunch of options just like you did, Joe, like, uh, you know, uh, work, church for some people or synagogue, you know, a face, place of worship, people who are like-minded in that way. Um, school, you know, or, or classes, you know, whether it's taking a community class for one sort or another, an art class, something like that, if you're interested in that. Um, volunteer organizations, uh, charities, charitable work, that sort of thing could be great for that. Uh, or just, you know, people in the neighborhood walking around like we're doing now. Or sports. Uh, or sports, oh, yeah. Sports. That's a great one, yeah. 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 So that's all, hmm. that, that's a nice list of five or six things that are pretty easy to, uh, to share. But then, okay, now I go to one of these. Now I go to the sports team and yeah. I, I'm there on day one. And now I have to work on this vulnerability piece and actually put myself out there and take the risk of walking up to a group of people and saying, hi, my name is, you know, that's, that's hard. I, I think it's good to normalize for that person that there's going to be a lot of nerves and if, you know, and that's okay, that's not a sign to stop. It's a sign that you're just going outside your comfort zone and to kind of push forward. But and, and to remind them that you don't need to divulge your whole life story to this person the first time you meet them as well. Like you can small chat people and just get to know small details about general uh, surface level details about their lives. And you can see if there's some connection of hitting it off. And if you want to, you know, maybe you'll see them next week at practice and then the week after, and it could be a slow build. Um, it's true. Yeah. And you might hit it off. You might not. And that's okay. Yeah, but not to get discouraged, right? Because uh, we are social relational beings. And uh, I heard a while ago that uh, rejection impacts the same part of the brain as physical pain. So it really hurts. The fear of disconnection and rejection is is huge, right? So if if you're not successful with your your social pursuit, then not to get discouraged, like to to keep on going, right? It's so important. It takes a lot of strength and courage. The challenge for, again, the challenge for folks with, who are dealing with some, some form of anxiety, like a social anxiety is, is really, of course, hits, hits hardest at these moments because there can be so self-conscious in those moments of like, oh my gosh, what are people thinking of me? What are they gonna, how are they gonna respond to me? Did I just say something stupid? Uh, is, are they gonna be interested in me, right? And that, that inward focus, I think is the, unfortunately, that's the enemy of, of making friendships, oh, right? So, you're, yeah. not, you're not really, showing curiosity about the other person. You're not really able to, to really listen intently to what they're saying because you're so focused on yourself in that moment. And that's, that's where I think the intervention for those folks needs to come is like, okay, how can you try to, try to shift your focus onto the other person and be curious about them? Um, I don't know, how would you guys handle that? <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, 
we're all looking at each other for the, Not, for the yeah. listeners. We're all kind of scanning each other's faces here. But I, I guess I think about just, just like with anxiety in other situations, like if you're going to make anxiety comfortable, you're, whether it's social anxiety, you're not going to talk to people. If you're worried about going out, you're going to stay home or you're not going to go do that presentation or, um, so it's, I think, normalizing that anxiety response and try to help them understand that and maybe take small steps of helping them build up towards it. Uh, you know, talking to store clerks or just having small chat with people and it doesn't need to be, this is going to be the person I need to be friends with, but let's just practice talking to people and try to help them step into that discomfort and show themselves that they're okay, but not get too flooded by it, I guess, like too overwhelmed, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I agree too. Like the, um, you know, we talked a bit before about trying to calm the body, like doing something behavioral to, um, to, to calm down the stress and anxiety a bit and then trying to shift the mind. But uh, there's something called emotional reasoning, right? Where sometimes people think that because the emotions are there, there's actually a threat. That something bad is actually going to happen. But that's often not the case. Um, anxiety often is um, overestimating the likelihood of something bad happening to you, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I am. Um, I agree with you, Joanna. Uh, and as an addition to that, it would be setting them up for success. Mm-hmm. So uh, making suggestions or trying to spitball a bit, like uh, talking to a store clerk is probably pretty safe. Like that's a, a good way to set up for success. Um, or for teenagers in high schools, we try and brainstorm in your class. Is there someone that's kind of known to be like an, a nice person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? There tends to be nice people around you is there someone that seems a little less threatening opposed to someone who's maybe extremely extroverted or um you know louder in class or a bit more attention is on that is there someone that you haven't said hello to but you would feel comfortable doing that right so and say and just saying hi and that's it just acknowledging their presence and moving forward and then saying how are you or how was your day or whatever building up from there. So I agree with that. And then, yeah, just to expand on Chris, for sure. And also mentioning the um, mind reading. So often we do that. We mind read what we, we assume what other people are thinking or future telling. We assume a negative event in the future when really we have no idea. As far as I know, if you're clairvoyant, if you can read minds, please reach out to us. We'd love to see what you think we're thinking. But as far as I know, we can't. So if um, we really have to kind of nip that in the bud, right? Like to say, I, I, I don't actually know what they're thinking. They could be hungry. Yeah. You know, there's also the high likelihood of there's other anxious people in the room or other anxious people in that classroom. So maybe track yeah. them down as well because they will really appreciate it when you take that initiative and say hi. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've got a, a fun one here. Um, this was something I, I talked with. I believe I believe this was a uh, Harriet Lerner. If uh, she's a, a author, uh, psychologist, and author, usually writes about women's issues. But I think she was talking about dating one time, and she talked about um, just going and getting over your fear of rejection by just asking a bunch of people out—people you know that wouldn't uh, respond to you or wouldn't be. Yeah. And just go do that, and then you can kind of get over that. So I I told this to a client many years ago. I said, you know, if this is a, someone who's on a college campus and was having a hard time making friends, we talked about it. I talked about that idea of just just getting over the fear of rejection by getting rejected a bunch, right? And so he said, he said, okay, 
between now and the next session, I'm going to go around campus and I'm going to ask 20 people to go to coffee with me and uh, and see see what happens. So he, just, he took it and ran with it. So he went and did just that. I think he asked 25 people, you know, hey, how you doing? You want to go grab coffee with me? <laughs> and to his surprise, most people were like, uh, no, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know you. Who are you? Uh, get away from me, you know, that kind of thing. But there were three <laughs> people who said, sure, let's go. And oh, a couple of them, a couple of them became his good friends, actually. But through that process, he was able to demystify rejection, you know, mm. get get over the idea of, oh, rejection is going to be the end of the world. It's going to be the most horrible thing I can experience. It's just like, no, people just are going to say no sometimes, and that's okay. Yep. No, yeah. I agree. I so of, of the group of us here, as you were, I was reflecting on this, um, I think I'm the instigator one. And my friends mentioned that as well so if i if i'm out in public i'm very i'm extroverted that way if i'm out in public i don't have a problem saying hello to people and starting a conversation so i um, i met chris in college and i believe it was me that was like oh hey how are you you said you're at a concert how to go yeah i left it to halfway through because i was a little exhausted well, the halfway through the class, that is, not the concert. But. So the following, the following class, I was like, I followed up on the fact that he said he was at a concert and asked how it went. And for Ryan... How was Smash Mouth, Chris? <laughs> That's Unbelievable. And then uh, we met Ryan at the symposium, and he, he was coming, we were in the same area, the lobby, and I, I, was, I said hi, and you said hi back, and we started a conversation and found common ground. Yes. Um, uh, being on the West Coast, and we we're the only people that were still awake mm -hmm. because everybody else was asleep in Washington. So, and we had a, a chat and connected over that. Um, so, uh, for me, my reframe, I think the reason that it's not scary for me personally, not just because I'm extroverted and uh, I don't really have fear around that, but also I'm, I try and think about it to the other person. Mm. Perhaps this other person would appreciate someone saying hello to them. Mm. I certainly <laughs> did appreciate it, Brooke. Thank you. Right? Yeah. Thank goodness, Brooke. Thank goodness. Way to go. Now we got a, a we rye got guy. We got a rye guy. <laughs> yeah. Ryan carried us after that. I just said hello. The rest of it was on him. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I think that's an important piece, too, is to remember the person that you're saying hello to maybe really would appreciate someone saying hello to them. That's a great point. Sure. And also, you know, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry. I was just going to say it, when you guys were talking about teenagers, it reminded me of the, the whole scenario of like, there's a group of people and there's someone kind of standing a little bit on the outside. And a lot of times the people who are in the group are kind of wondering, Oh, why is, why is she on the outside? Is she too good for us? And oftentimes the person on the outside is like terrified to enter that group. Mm -hmm. Like I'm too scared to like, you know, nudge my way in there. So there's all these misperceptions about how, how that can look. And so I love, I love that idea, Brooke. Why not just lead with being open and, and making invitations? Because you never know who might be looking for that. And Joanna does a remarkable job at social gatherings. If there is someone that she doesn't know, it, you're, you're like the first person to go up to them and say, hi, I'm Joanna, and uh, who are you here? Like, and introduce yourself and make them feel welcome. Hmm. Um, so uh, it's just... For those listeners who don't have trouble with it, perhaps be aware that others do and, and really just make that effort to extend 
a hello, a greeting and introduce yourself. It makes a world of a difference. Yeah. I am, um, I've worked with clients who they've had opportunities to uh, connect with people. So maybe it's not that initial step that they're having issues with. It's what to do after that or how they go about those interactions. Right. So a few things that we've discussed in the past are being, being aware of your nonverbals, right. Um, being authentic and genuine. So not trying to be fakey or be something that you're not. What are your nonverbals, Chris? What does that mean? Well, nonverbals, like, you know, sometimes we have a, uh, a frowny face. Sometimes we walk around and as if we don't, we don't want negative attention from others, or sometimes we, we look standoffish, right? Avoiding um, eye contact. Avoiding eye contact, looking down. Like there's a lot of things that we do. It's, it's so funny with strangers, that is. If it's an acquaintance, we tend to light up a little bit. If it's a friend, even more so, right? Um, so just being aware of that. And then, uh, yeah, you know, Carl Rogers, the famous American psychologist, talked about, again, authenticity or being genuine, having some empathy and being non-judgmental. So there's certain things you can do within those conversations to increase the chances of success, right? Um, and um, be one of the best communicators or often the best listeners. So try not to dominate those conversations. I often encourage people to just ask questions. People like to talk about themselves. So how's your day going today? How was your weekend? What do you think about the smoke? Um, are you, do you have a phobia of moths? You know, there's so many things you can, and just to get the dialogue going. Sure. Mm -hmm. I think Chris, part of that for people is the fear that they're going to, somebody's going to ask them that question back of like, if you say, Hey, how was your weekend? And then they say, how was your weekend? And if you are new and you haven't really done much, sometimes there's shame or embarrassment associated with that. Um, so yes, I agree. Definitely coaching or helping clients find the, find questions, but finding questions that work really well for them as well and keeping them open-ended questions or questions that are likely to be asked back to them. Um, I think that's important. So open-ended, not like a yes or no question, more of yes. a one that, yeah. 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 And finding, finding, I was going to say finding mutual interest or common ground. Mm -hmm is important. So remembering something wherever that if you had small talk with a colleague or a classmate about something, trying to remember that and following up on that. Um, or if you find something in common, then you can have a better dialogue around that, um, yep. which might lead to an invite to something. So if it's a, a certain band and now that band has a is in town and maybe you guys want to go together to like, so there's a build to that. Yeah. That's great. Smash Mouth. Let's go, Chris. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> Did so, you know Smash Mouth had a concert? No. I'm pretty, yeah, yeah I'm pretty like, sure it was like up here. So there was that, like, I think there was something about Smash Mouth and a concert and oh boy. The hoopla and how it was like, why are we breaking concerts for Smash Mouth? And anyway, <laughs> I didn't know that, but, uh, but yeah, I think some of the challenge, we're doing a lot of talking about how, how to make that in, initial introduction, which I think is terribly important. The most important step is to actually get your foot in the door. But I also know a lot of people who have a lot of acquaintances, but no, but they're not really friends with them. And sometimes they want to be able to amp that up to the next level, you know? Like, hey, we've been, we've been coworkers for two years. Um, you know, how about you come over and we'll watch the game this weekend or something like that to kind of take it to that next level. And sometimes that's, you know, it's the same sort of thing, a little bit anxiety provoking, a uh, little bit of vulnerability there, kind of risk of rejection. 
But I think everything you're talking about there, Brooke, I think is right. I mean, you, you keep in mind what your similarities are and what the other person's interests might be, and you kind of build on that, right? Yeah, and it might, um, for adults, if you're at work and you have coworkers, there's probably a few coworkers that you're connecting well with. Why not suggest that you all do something together? So, um, you know, whether it's going to grab happy hour or an appetizer or beer or whatever it might be, mm -hmm. hey, why don't we do this? every Wednesday or whatever it might be. So creating a bit of that where you're hanging out now socially, but with parameters, people like parameters. There's a start and there's an end. There's a way that like, yeah. Good. Also to keep in mind, I think we all kind of as humans, like, like you said, Chris, we have that um, we're socially social beings and we have that, I think, desire for belonging. And I, I think it's a friendly reminder that we might not, jibe well with everyone or everyone might not be meant to be our friends and I think even you could see a group and you could see oh I want to be a part of that or I just want to belong to a friendship or have that um, but you might try a few times and if it just doesn't work to not take it as something's wrong with me or I need to change myself uh, it could be that they're just not going to be your people and to look elsewhere and find those commonalities and those common grounds because you could be the best peach you can be but you might someone might just not like peaches i think i don't know if, did you say that to me brooke about something before i don't know i did it sounds like a brooke thing <laughs> um, brookline yeah yeah it, it was me but it's it's yeah you can be like ah uh, yeah someone you could might be a just perfect like, peach but, but someone might just not like peaches so it's, it's there's nothing wrong with peaches you just got to find like you know other peaches yeah oh my god bananas right I wish I would have, I wish you would have told me that when I was dating in my twenties, Brooke, because boy, I was, I was really, I would get really upset that I wasn't the, uh, the apple when, uh, so, when someone was really looking for peaches, you know, it was that, it was it, so much of it has to do with goodness of fit, you know, how, how good, how well things fit together. And maybe a friendship group might look like it's great for you, but maybe it's not a good fit. And so you find another group, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to throw something else out there. In uh, Mark Manson's book, The Subtle Art Not Giving a Beep, he talks about metrics, right? And because uh, sometimes people really want to have these friendships and they, they establish these connections, but they're not healthy. Um, maybe there's not uh, reciprocation or mutual respect, or maybe there's a codependency there. Like there's so many things that could happen, right? So having a bit of an idea of what uh, a good friendship looks like and uh, how, how can you measure that, right? Yeah. How, yeah. Um, so is that is that individual? Like uh, like you, Chris, would have your own idea of what does a friendship look like, and kind of go for that. Yeah, for sure. So, for instance, yeah, I mentioned reciprocation. So yeah. when you're putting energy and effort into a friendship, you kind of want to get that back a bit. Um, you want to make sure it's it's you have uh, going in the same direction. So I know that happened to me coming out of high school. Like some friends are going in the direction of the, the partying and maybe more experimentation and whatnot. And um, so to really trying to assess that and, and just trying to get it realigned in terms of the, that, that direction. So, because um, sometimes you lose sight of it when you're in the middle of it, right? Totally. It's a good way to look at it. No, it's interesting. You know how there's all these dating apps out there? uh bumble is one and they actually oh, this is not a plug for it but they also have a bff version so instead of looking for someone to date you can actually look to befriend someone and it's just a bunch of profiles of looking through friends and talking to people just to make a friend so it's kind of cool that there's 
for people who might be like, I don't, you know, don't want to go to the bar. I don't have other new environments to, that there's something like that. Mm-hmm. Especially of, right now with COVID. Yeah, definitely. You know, cause you can't join a running club or the dragon boat team or do art or whatnot. Right. Yeah. The dragon boat team. Oh, it's That's like thing up here. What's that? Just, it's like rowing. It's like a, you know, brook. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, kind of like a just like yeah, really, really big canoe. Yeah. And there is like a team of people in it, and they all have a paddle, so they row together. And someone's uh, drumming. Yeah. And someone drums. Yeah. Wow. And then there's like dragon boat races, and it's kind of all ages, sort of like it's um, yeah, it's quite a thing. Is that? Is that an indigenous people's thing? Or is that a, something borrowed from, I guess, dragon? Is that a, a, an Asian I think it has its origins uh, from China. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah it's quite popular, dragon boats. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, pickleball is also really big right now. <laughs> yes. Lots of people playing pickleball. Lots of pickleball. We've got a lot of uh, dodgeball, kickball, uh, those sorts right. of leagues down here. Frisbee golf, that sort of thing. We do call it California kickball. Oh, it's California. Oh, really? We, do. we, we actually yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's California kickball, not just kickball. I was not aware that that was our cultural contribution to this, uh, <laughs> to this whole thing. Oh gosh. All right. Do we have- Back to friendship. What, what were your questions again? Did it we was just, them? I think we did. We were talking about practical steps. You know, how do you, how do you make friends? How do you find friends? What are practical steps and what are the emotional steps? And I think we did a pretty good job of talking about kind of where these friendship potentials might be. They may be old friends that you're trying to you know, enhance those friendships and maybe take them to a deeper level, or maybe it's uh, you know, starting fresh at one of the, uh, one of the venues we discussed, um, trying to find some common ground with people, trying to work through the self-consciousness and, and show curiosity about other people. And, and maybe even considering it, as, as Brooke said, kind of considering it to be like a service to, to humanity. Like maybe someone else needs me to be there for them. You know, it's not, not even at all about my needs. Maybe I need to be reaching out to someone else to brighten their day, right? Mm-hmm. Another one, as you were talking, another option for people is um, a little bit of role play almost. So if you envision somebody almost like resource installation so if you were to think of somebody who's a role model who connects well to others and easily makes friends mm-hmm. how would they interact in this situation got and it can, can you embody that person as if it was as if you were an actor can you become that character and interact with others in in your environment I like that. I'll play that character. Mm-hmm. You be the dragon boat. I'll be Smash Mouth. We'll make friends. It'll be good. Um, time to wrap up, guys. Oh. That's it. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Google, Podbean. Send us your questions to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram. And just for this week, how about telling a friend? Just tell one other person that we exist and this is a good way to make friends all right hey guys Hi. thanks thanks everybody thanks, see you later
Thank you.